0: You're listening to episode number five of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. Today, we're gonna talk about the interprofessional education and interprofessional collaborative practice polarity. This is a crux polarity in healthcare today. And the truth is, this interdependent relationship between this pair has been misunderstood for over 50 years. So you're not gonna wanna miss this conversation. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We're so grateful you've joined us today. I'm Tracy. And I'm Michelle. We've been interprofessional partners in healthcare for over 30
1: years. During that time, we've been engaged in healthcare transformation and the development of healthy healing work cultures that result in the best places to give and receive care. We've engaged with healthcare leaders from across North America, and we are tired of seeing time, money, and resources wasted on change efforts that are not sustainable.
0: In this podcast, we explore significant, reoccurring, and competing challenges faced by all healthcare leaders today using a brand new lens called Polarity Thinking the missing logic in healthcare. You could say we represent the money ball of healthcare. We're here to expand your current thinking and challenge your reliance on problem solving tactics. It's Tracy and Michelle back at you on the airwaves here. And today we're talking about one of our favorite topics, interprofessional education and interprofessional collaborative practice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this is really what brought us together as colleagues Many, many, many years ago, not to date us or anything, you know, I mean, but uh, it's been a common passion for mm-hmm. both of us and something that we've really dedicated a great portion of our careers to uh, advancing collaborative practice and in supporting interprofessional education, a variety of different ways. And, uh, you know, for us. You know, we were really pioneers, Michelle, in doing this work. I think we were. Now, in hindsight, I can really see that. Yeah. I mean, we we implemented, you know, interprofessional councils where clinicians from all the different professions came together to really forge ahead with collaborative practice. And this was back in the early 1990s. Yeah. And we probably were some of the very first ones, right, to do rounds. Yep. Interprofessional uh, rounds. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, and then we did, uh, you know, well, I did a lot of work uh in our healthcare organization across the country around delineation of scope of practice you know we found years ago people didn't couldn't even tell each other what their scope of practice was from clinician to clinician and uh, we knew that that work was foundational to really moving forward with a strong interprofessional practice in healthcare environments. And uh, and that was really eye-opening. I think that was really what lit my fire in my belly, right? For collaborative practice it was just learning about all the different disciplines and how much they had to offer and how little they were able to offer because we didn't really they, even they didn't know. know. Yeah. They didn't know what they didn't know each other's scope of practice. Right. And they didn't know how to tap into that expertise, right? Because they, yeah. they had no clue. And uh and then, you know, for me, of course, this led on to me and I'm in my dissertation phase mm-hmm. now and studying interprofessional healthcare studies. And uh, you know, um yeah. hope to continue mm-hmm. to make uh, significant contributions in that area. Yeah, and for me,
1: um, being a critical care nurse is my background. Um, I did my master's thesis on nurse-physician relationships as it related to nurse satisfaction because I knew it made a big difference and was able to validate that in specialty areas and med surge units and then went on to um, actually become a fellow in the National Academies of Practice and eventual president, and Tracy's a member as well. And so even at a national level, have really looked at how we can continue to advance in a professional collaborative practice in our health system. So we've written articles, we've written book chapters, and as Tracy said, this has been a passionate area of ours
0: because we know it makes a difference, absolutely. Oh, for sure, right? And with everything happening in healthcare. Uh, There's a big um, emphasis now on teams Mm -hmm. and teamwork and how important it is to work collaboratively and how important it is to prepare the future workforce and the current workforce. And so that's really what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the plurality of interprofessional education and collaborative practice, this interdependent relationship, and kind of, you know, where things have started and where they've gone or not gone. Right, right. So this is uh you know such a really important topic for us today. But you know we can't just talk about this without thinking about it in the context of the whole mm-hmm. and what's happening in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I think you know we're all well aware of the need to reform the healthcare system and address all these concerns that are you know, that we have around the quality of care, the patient satisfaction, costing, you know, of healthcare, the health promotion, population health. I mean, there's a variety of things, right, that we've got our finger on and we're we're monitoring and looking at to really make sure we improve healthcare in, uh, well, in the U.S. at least. And- um, You know, so when we look at that and then we look at some of the reports that have come out over the years, especially the um, reports from the Institute of Medicine, you know, started with To Errors Human and building that safer health system and really brought to light, right, all of the errors and the significance of the lack of communication and the impact of deaths of the different, right, uh, patients that we care for and how significant that report was. And then, you know, and then in 2003, they had the crossing the quality chasm and, a whole new health system of the 21st century. And then we went on to the health professions, education, a bridge to quality. So these series of IOM reports really heightened the awareness in uh, in the US around the concerns about safety and quality and cost effective care and the need for interprofessional collaborative practice for teamwork as really a solution as a way to help address these challenges that we were working independently of each other, not communicating with each other, and it was costing lives, basically, right? right? right and so really significant challenges that uh, it has been felt that this could contribute to and even before that even back in the 1970s like way back Long we were talking ago, about interprofessional education and collaborative practice and the need right to be um to move and advance that forward in both academia and practice and just couldn't get any traction, right? Like you'd have some success and then it would slow back down. Then you'd have some success and then it would, you know, dissipate. And these, these reports really kind of heightened that awareness and lit the fire again. And I think it's really kind of been the impetus to move it forward. But, you know, I think the thing that, that came forth that has really been the fuel has been that this ineffective teamwork, lack of collaboration, poor communication, does negatively impact quality outcomes. And because we're focused nationally on quality outcomes, it's shined the spotlight again, right? And uh, and has really helped to bring it to the forefront.
1: So I think unquestionably, we all know, and the reports have shown, that we have to prepare the workforce, right? We have to prepare them to work in interprofessional teams. And I know when I went to nursing school, you went to respiratory school, like we just were taught in silos, right? Oh, yeah. So, so unquestionably, this is something that we really need to do, because you want people to step out of their pre-licensure education into work environments where they know how to work as a team member. And um, we also know that um, we have to have this collaborative practice at the point of care and healthcare settings. And that we have to do both to achieve the quadruple aim overall to you know get this quality safe, efficient equitable care all the time everywhere that's the way it is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um there's been there's there's been pockets of good practices, there's been pockets of research, but there's still a lot of landscape out there, and we think there's a different way to
0: look at it as well, yeah, well, and I think people haven't quite Uh, recognize this interdependent relationship yet. Mm -hmm. They talk about both of them, but they tend to be addressed independently of each other. And what I've always been struck with is anytime I've been engaged with a group that's interprofessional, you know, focused on interprofessional education. And when I say that, I'm talking about the academic setting, right? The pre-licensure, right, right. you know, different, um, you know, health professions, colleges, nursing schools, et cetera. Whenever I ask the question about, you know, so how do you, how are you connected with the collaborative practice environment? How are you working? Oh, well, you know, the students go there for their rotations, but there isn't really a relationship, right? There, this isn't a, a both-and approach. Um, And then the same thing, right? When I would be in different practice settings across the country and really promoting and helping them to develop interprofessional collaborative practice environments, and I would mention the National Center for Interprofessional Education, or I would mention what's happening in academic environments around interprofessional education, i get this blank look like... People didn't really, weren't aware of what was happening. So there's still a disconnect. And I think, you know, looking through the polarity lens, really looking at the interdependent nature of this relationship is going to help us all to advance this and move it towards a more sustainable future.
1: Agreed. So Tracy, you mentioned the disconnect and the gaze look when you would ask the practitioners about what they knew about interprofessional education. The other pattern that is certainly out there is even at the leadership level, there's not the degree of partnership or awareness that I know I would expect. Um, so or they have some connection, but you know just this week we were talking to a healthcare executive that is uh, engaged in interprofessional collaborative practice in a well-known um, interprofessional education um, academic site. And when we asked, how, how are you connected?" not well enough. So there's great room for improvement and how we look at this again, in an interdependent way and making sure that interprofessional education and collaborative practice are looked at together and that we are moving out of isolated pockets more into a a holistic perspective.
0: Yeah. And, you know, something that's come up recently too, I think there's this recognition as there's been advancements in interprofessional education, Um, The students are going out into clinical practice settings and there quite isn't the practice there to Mm -hmm. sustain them. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're not having the practice experience that they need to have. And then, you know, once they graduate, they're not finding those kind of uh, locations. But there's been some recent literature and some work and some interest in the learning environment. So the practice setting is a learning environment. Um, because they're recognizing right that it's not happening. And at the same time, you know, there's been some leaders, Brant and her colleagues, that have identified kind of these challenges with interprofessional education and collaborative practices, what they are referring to as the Gordian knot, which really is an intractable problem or an impossible knot, right, to to um you know, to un un to loosen up or to right untwine. But what we know and from our perspective is um, we invite, let's step back and look at this, not as a problem or a knot, but as really an infinity loop, as an energy, as a tension that binds these together. And it's not about untying it or loosening it. Right. It's about leveraging and leaning into it. Right. So I think we're just bringing a different perspective. I mm-hmm. uh, certainly can um, understand why they're looking at it and seeing it in that regard. Uh, but I think we're just inviting another way to look at it.
1: Yep. Yeah. So let's take a look at the interprofessional education and interprofessional collaborative practice polarity when we look at the positive outcomes and the negative outcomes if we overemphasize one over the other. And um, I'm going to start out with interprofessional education, the positive outcomes, and as um, We mentioned there's been great emphasis on IPE in the past 10 years, which is awesome. And some of those positive outcomes that can come out of that is that students know how their scope of practice integrates with the scope of other health professionals. So we don't come out with just a single focus on my discipline, my profession, and this is what I do. We really know and understand the scope of practice of others as well. And also, another positive outcome is that students are prepared to practice within an integrated team. Mm. All right, so what do you do? In school, you learn a lot of theory, right? Oh, yes. But I think one of the great advantages of some of the interprofessional education programs that I've had the opportunity to go tour and talk to uh, faculty is the simulation and the different interprofessional activities that go on to really help deepen that learning to like, we experience it, we're living it. And so they're prepared. They're much more prepared than I know I was when I stepped out into practice to work with an integrated team. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, another upside or positive outcome is that um, they can actually demonstrate in a professional competency in thought and workflow. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I knew you were gonna ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really understanding how we think with our as it relates to our scope of practice and um, also within the workflow so we know how we can build on each other's scope of practice we know because i have spent time with a physician and a physical therapist and a respiratory therapist what their thinking is and we're just more synchronized when it comes to the
0: actual patient care experience Mm -hmm. and um, we can demonstrate that yeah I think it's about integrating too, right? Yeah. So we're not working in parallel with each other. We're actually integrating our services together. That actual building off of, you know, knowing where we overlap, knowing right. where we're unique. Yeah. Yep.
1: And uh, that that is so important, you know. And we're just really talking it now from uh, the interprofessional clinician experience, but certainly what comes to mind too is the impact on patients. And the benefit that has for them. And the other upside by focusing on IPE, which is, you know, really that whole educational aspect is that faculty are competent in teaching interprofessional learning activities. And that was a big stretch. Oh, you know what? (laughs) If I've been teaching something my way for a long time, and now you want me to what work with other colleagues, other faculty members? And so there was a big learning curve for faculty to also reach across the aisle, develop these programs,
0: and then teach in a different way because they're teaching interprofessionalism. Yeah, they're co-teaching. Right? Yeah, they're Versus co-teaching. Versus I'm just teaching my course. I now have to teach with somebody else. And And look at it through the lens of multiple professions when we're teaching. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a big stretch, but a huge competency that's needed because you won't have interprofessional students if you don't have interprofessional faculty to teach them. Absolutely, yep. Yeah so and and then you know the other side of the pole right the other pole here is the interprofessional collaborative practice and so you know there's a lot of positive um outcomes that are associated with giving your attention to developing an environment that supports collaborative practice and One of that is very similar to the students. You have health professionals who know each other's scope of practice, who can actually integrate those services. They know how to do that and uh, they know how to build off of each other. And, you know, they're not duplicating services, right? Because they can integrate them. And then the health professionals work in partnership Mm -hmm. with each other, with the patients and families. It's a collaborative, collective understanding of what's important to the patient, what needs to be achieved, how we each contribute to that, and even how patients and families contribute, because they're part of the team as well, right? Absolutely. And then the other thing is, um, you know, these collaborative practice competencies and the interprofessional education collaborative came out with competencies for, you know, interprofessional collaborative practice and the ability to demonstrate those, to actually work as a team, you know, to communicate with each other um, and to, you know, to integrate those services. And then the healthcare team has the tools, the infrastructures to coordinate care. They're using a shared plan of care. They use a shared history form, right? So they all have the same story about who the patient is and they know when each other has seen the patient and what the services are they're providing. And, you know, like I know when I used to work with, you know, uh, physical therapy and I was going to come, you know, we would coordinate our activities. Like I would give the treatment before they came to do their physical therapy so that the, the patients, you know, was ready for that and uh, and able to breathe easily while they were doing their physical therapy. So it's that kind of coordination and collaboration and make sure that the patient gets what they need.
1: So with all the focus that has been on IPE in the last decade or so, we're starting to see pockets now where we're not aligned with the Interprofessional Collaborative Practice because we've been so focused on IPE. And in our show notes for today's podcast, we actually have some reports and some literature that is pointing this out to us now. So we really want to pay attention because what is starting to happen is that we are preparing these students, but they're actually working with healthcare professionals that they aren't integrated in their scopes of practice at the point of care where they're delivering their services. And it's it's become obvious that we're teaching it, but it's not happening as much. We're not as aligned as well in the practice environment. And that members and the healthcare team are still working in silos. And so maybe what I learned isn't what I what I'm experiencing. And that um, they're unable to demonstrate these interprofessional competencies that have been taught in IPE programs across the country and yet we're really not seeing them lived when we're stepping into practice and working with interprofessional healthcare teams and that there's really no infrastructures and tools to really live interprofessional collaborative practice on a daily basis in Any healthcare setting, it doesn't even matter where it is. Could be primary care, could be um, hospital care, post acute care. There's the, we're lacking infrastructures and tools on the practice side because we've been so focused on the workforce and
0: IPE. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's being experienced broadly, I would mm-hmm. say, right? Not yeah. that there aren't pockets that are doing it well, right, but, right. but there are certainly those that aren't. And nationally, I think more not than <laughs> than are. Um, but, you know, there's a there's a downside to over-focusing on collaborative practice, too. Yeah. So if we put all our attention and energy in the, the healthcare environment, and, and in this case, I'm probably speaking mostly around acute care when I talk about collaborative practice, so even though it does happen in, you know, primary care in clinics and other settings. But um, when I think of interprofessional collaborative practice, my frame of reference is acute care. And there's a downside to over-focusing on that, to the neglect of the education and preparing the future workforce. And that is that when the students, you know, they're not clear on how their scope integrates with the scope of other health professionals, you know, when they come into the clinical setting, to have their rotations, they're unable to meet the clinical demands that integrated care requires. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not able to translate that that kind of interprofessional competency from you know how they might work together as a, a collaborative team to how they actually do that in practice, how they actually make that happen, and um, and you have faculty who are still teaching in silos who aren't aren't prepared or don't know how to support interprofessional collaborative practice. In the academic setting or in the clinical setting, when they're there for clinical rotations, they don't know how to help the students acclimate to that kind of an environment that has a strong collaborative practice.
1: So the relationship between interprofessional education and interprofessional collaborative practice is interdependent. And one of the key factors that we can put into place to really help manage that polarity is to put in place an education practice partnership. And from our experience, this needs to happen at the local level, with local relationships, with local intention. And in our show notes, we're going to give you a guide on some key success factors in really establishing those uh, education-practice partnerships so that you can keep both sides very strong, the interprofessional education and the interprofessional collaborative practice.
0: Yeah, because, you know, uh, right, to, to manage and leverage any polarity, you have to have the simultaneous actions. Yep. And so you have to be aligned. And this is where the practice partnership can really help to make sure at the local level that what you're putting in place to develop the future workforce is in alignment with what's happening to create the culture and, and, you know, the the current workforce to help build that environment, right, that will support the future workforce. So I think, uh, I think that's where it really, really can help over time to align. And, you know, um, so let's talk a little bit about what some of those action steps might be, Michelle, that we could take, you know, to strengthen both IPE and interprofessional collaborative practice.
1: Yeah, sure. So you're going to want to implement a faculty preceptor development program. Um, This is for the IPE, again, so that we're really looking at it not just from the faculty perspective, but we're partnering with preceptors in the field that um, are actually our partners of keeping both strong, right? And then we need to put together an infrastructure that is continuous. So it's like other partnership infrastructures that we've talked about that are so critical. It can't be an ad hoc committee that comes together, puts a plan together, and then leaves. We have to build a partnership in place between practice and education. And um, we also need to enhance didactic IPE education. Another action step is to implement an IPE assessment process so that we can really assure that we're being effective in our IPE program and our methodologies, and lastly, to secure institutional commitment to IPE. We've heard this several times. This is a critical, critical action step because you might have a few committed faculty, but you really need the academic institution to be on.
0: It's on the strategy roadmap and people are committed to it. Yeah, those are great examples, Michelle. And then, you know, uh, we also need to take the action steps on the interprofessional collaborative Mm -hmm. practice side too. And, you know, and, and some people might think, well, doesn't that just happen naturally? You know, doesn't the clinicians just naturally? Well, they don't. And what I think, you know, you need to understand is, we were all educated in isolation. So we're overcoming years and years and years of practicing in isolation from each other. So, you know, you get those ingrained patterns, it's hard to overcome them. So you need things to help you and action steps to help guide the collaborative practice and build that environment and culture. And one of the things is really to secure resources that support that. So whether those are people resources or, you know, programs, models, um, you know, that really helps to establish that interprofessional collaborative practice. The other Another is um, team development programs. So being very intentional about having a development program that will that will really foster teamwork and collaboration. Another is to develop you know practice based IPE opportunities. So um, you know being providing that education in the clinical in practice. The clinical, yes. So that you're growing that future you know working because you can't assume that they know how to communicate with each other, that they know how to collaborate or coordinate care. You know, they probably do to some level, but maybe not to the extent that you need it to, right, to get the outcomes that you want. And then uh, just like an IPE, yeah. we need an ICP, right, assessment process. So are our programs effective? If we're doing simulation, is it effective? Are the, are the clinicians leaving that with increased knowledge and skills and capabilities? Um, and then establishing structural support. You know, I think we, have mentioned in previous um, episodes, you know, interprofessional um, councils and ways to bring the team together to learn about their scope of practice and share and grow as a collaborative team. So having those infrastructures are really important to uh, fostering that collaborative practice environment and, uh, you know, practices. You now the other thing we have to do, right, is uh, we got to watch for the early warning signs, right, as always, and be very vigilant about that. So um, what are some early warning signs, Michelle, that we would want to look for that we would maybe be experiencing if we had over on IPE? Well, we have to remember that students are doing clinicals, right? Oh, yeah. So if
1: we're over-focusing on IPE, then you might start to hear things like, hey, that was a great clinical site you sent me to, but there's not any collaboration going on there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can teach all day long, but um, there's no collaboration going on. Or you could actually have students work with preceptors or clinicians that say, what's IPE? They don't even know what IPE is. So that could be an early warning that we're over focusing on the education and we're not aligned with the practice side and You know, after a while, there's just cynicism about the whole thing you know that we do talk about in the classroom, but it's not like that in real life. you know, get in the real world, you're teaching us this stuff, but it's not really happening in practice
0: so those are early warnings that we're out of balance, oh, yeah, those are great examples, well, you know the same thing happens in the collaborative practice side of things too if we we're over focused there what we're going to hear is um, you know preceptors will report students don't know how to work collaboratively right so they're going to be saying holy crap you know we got these students they don't even know what to do mm-hmm. to work collaboratively the other thing is faculty um, won't have a true understanding of IPCP or IPE either so you know we're going to have that on the flip side here and then students are going to be asking for inappropriate consults because they don't know the scope of practice of other clinicians yeah right? so so they're going to be asking them to do stuff that is not in their scope of practice to do. So those are the kinds of things that will start to show up when students are in, a, in the practice setting and the practice is strong, but the students aren't when it comes to uh, interprofessional collaborative practice.
1: So let's step back and look at the why of why we need to manage this polarity so well. And polarities also, we have a true north, if you will, a greater purpose. And we want to achieve the quadruple aim. I mean, that is why we have to approach this both on the education side and the practice side. And if we don't pay attention to both, we will, again, slip down to the downside of either
0: pole, both poles, and end up with ineffective, inefficient, costly, fragmented care. Yeah, which is really our deepest fear, right? That that's what will Continue to deliver. Yes. If we don't do these things. Yes. And you know, the IOM reports, um,
1: I can't tell you how many conversations I'm in that, you know what, we just looked at the 2003 IOM report and we're still in the same place we were back then, or we haven't made as much progress in all of these years. So we know we're still on the downside, but you're, to your point, Tracy,
0: the deepest fear is very ineffective, low quality care. Yeah. And, you know, so a a few things just to think about as we close today uh, in this particular episode is, you know, this is a both and we've Mm -hmm. said that multiple times Uh, and we're just real passionate about it. So we kind of repeat ourselves and we passionate about something. Um, and But, you know, both are equally important. We're talking about the future workforce and the current workforce. And we're talking about cultures and environments that foster the kind of care. So it is a both and. And if you're involved in one aspect of this, Or the other, right? If you're involved in IPE but don't have a connection with the clinical practice settings to the degree that you need to reach across, go out there, find out who's doing this, find out how you can collaborate, start the conversation. If you're in practice setting and you've got students coming in and you're hearing, like, you guys aren't collaborating or this isn't what I'm being taught. Let's talk about it, right? Just start the come conversation. Together. Yeah, come, come together, together, start the conversation. And the thing is, right, this tension mm-hmm. is going to be persistent. It's not going to go away. So we got to remember that. Lean into that. Don't be afraid of it. Just recognize where you are. Where are we today? And uh, and just continue to move forward. And again, it's about sustainability. So this has been 50 years, folks, of working on this. And we really believe in our hearts. We don't. This hasn't been sustained. It hasn't become mainstream because it's being approached independently, and that interdependent relationship isn't being leveraged. So, you know, again, we're we're really. Um, advocates for education and practice partnerships coming together collectively to align efforts to get into that virtuous cycle, to move towards the achievement of the quadruple aim uh, with uh, clinicians and students that know how to work together, know how to collaborate, know how to integrate their services, and can provide that very best care for the patients, communities, families that they care so much about. Mm -hmm,
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things we've done is we have put in our show notes um, that practice education partnership outline, looking at it through strong partnership, uh, strong practice, strong education, coming together in partnership. So there's a lot of tips in there for you to reference. And um, also, we have a reference list of just current literature related to this particular polarity as well. So check it out in our show notes. Yeah.
0: Great to be with you again. Look forward to the next time. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for tuning in today. If you found our conversation insightful or helpful, please share this episode with others you think might benefit. Also, go out to iTunes
0: and rate the show and share a review because we really like those positive ones. Wink, wink. You can access today's show notes and downloads at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you want to learn more about polarities in healthcare or how you might manage them in your organization, you can contact us for a free consultation. Just go to our website at www.missinglogic.com.